Marcus Adams Jr. is officially a Gonzaga Bulldog. And while he may not play much, if at all, in year one with the program, let me tell you why this is a gold mine, gold mine of an addition for Mark Few's team. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Zags Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Happy Monday, folks. We are pushing Mailbag Monday back to later in the week because we had a bunch of news come through the pipeline over the weekend. Marcus Adams Jr., after canceling a scheduled visit to Gonzaga, decides to commit to Spokane. Anyway, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Jose Perez opting not to come to Gonzaga and instead staying at West Virginia, what it means for the dwindling options available in the transfer portal for Gonzaga if they are still looking to add another guard. And then we're going to close out the show talking about a minute's prediction for every player on the roster, how that might shake out, what we're looking at right now, and of course, what could potentially change depending on Adams's eligibility, depending on if they add another player in the portal all of that. So wrapping it up today with that. But first, we got a lead talk about Marcus Adams Jr. He's been the headliner of three of the last, I think, six podcast episodes here on Locked On Zags. But that's because it's the biggest story going on around the program right now. Marcus Adams Jr., for those of you who have not checked out the last couple of episodes, is a six foot eight guard forward from Harbor City, California. He is a in the class of 2023. He's ranked 48th right now. Uh, this 24-7 sports, 24-7 sports has Dusty Stromer, I believe, 59th. So they're very comparable pro- prospects in that class. A lot of other places have Stromer a lot higher. Some other places have Adams higher. So they're kind of right in that same mold. Adams initially committed to Kansas as a member of the class of 2024, opted to reclassify, got his high school credits taken care of, graduated high school early, and joined Kansas this summer. What that meant, and this is a really critical part of Marcus Adams Jr.'s current story, is that because he enrolled at Kansas, he started his five-year clock. What that means is that even though he has not played in college basketball yet, even though he is still a true freshman, he had to enter the transfer portal to leave Kansas. He could not just decommit the way that Nolan Hickman did a couple years ago when he was expected to go to Kentucky. He decommitted from Kentucky. His recruitment opened up again. He chose to come to Gonzaga, enrolled at Gonzaga as a true freshman. There was no nothing else to that story. For Marcus Adams Jr., he had to enter the transfer portal to come to Gonzaga. What that means is that Gonzaga has landed probably the most highly coveted, highly valuable type of player that you can add in today's era of college basketball. That is a player who has four years of eligibility, who is basically unable to transfer again. And I say basically because that is not true. He is able to continue to transfer if he wants to, but he is then subject to the older rules of college basketball, where he would either have to get a waiver or he would have to sit out a year. So for him, he does not have the ability to transfer 
quote, you know, for lack of a better term, willy nilly, the way that many other players have the option to do the way that Hunter Salas did this year, the way that Dominic Harris did this year, they were able to, you can just transfer as long as you do it within that window, you can leave the school can't really prevent you from doing that. Marcus Adams jr. Would have to get a waiver to transfer again, meaning he is far more locked into staying at Gonzaga for the long haul. This is why players like Arterio Morris, who transferred from Texas to Kansas, or MJ Rice, who transferred from Kansas to North Carolina State, or Kalel Ware, who transferred from Oregon to Indiana, were perceived as being very valuable because they are most likely not going to transfer again. So you're getting a player, and those guys may end up being two and duns, who knows, but you're getting a player who is likely going to stick with your program in college basketball for as long as they remain at that level. And for Gonzaga and Marcus Adams, that is critical because he's probably not a player expected to contribute big minutes right away. And that was the interesting part about this recruitment in general is it felt like that was what he was looking for, even though he went to the newspaper at the Kansas City Star and told everybody, this is why I'm leaving Kansas. He wasn't shy about that. And I respect that about him. He said, I have nothing against the coaching staff. I have nothing against the fans, although the fans have made his life very miserable since he committed from Kansas. So maybe his tune has changed on that. They're attacking his younger brother on Instagram, just a whole messy thing that the worst parts of sports fandom often bring out in people. Regardless, Adam said he didn't really get along with his teammates. He didn't feel super comfortable in Lawrence, Kansas. He wanted a fresh start. He didn't see himself being there long term. People interpreted that as him feeling like he wasn't going to get minutes right away despite him not ever saying that, which is why people were surprised to see him go to Gonzaga where there are not necessarily minutes available to him right away. I don't think that he's coming to Gonzaga with the expectation of playing in the rotation next season. And we'll break it down more in the third and final segment of today's show, but I don't see him playing big minutes next year. In fact, we don't know if he's going to be eligible. As of this recording on Sunday morning afternoon-ish, we do not know the final situation there. It is possible Marcus Adams Jr. will have to get a waiver if he wants to play right away. It is possible he will have a redshirt year this upcoming season, whether determined by the NCAA that he has to sit out a year or determined by Mark Few and Gonzaga that he is going to redshirt and sit out a year. I would not be surprised if that ends up being the result here for whichever reason is that Marcus Adams Jr. does not set foot on the court in a Gonzaga game this upcoming season. I think that that is a outcome that should be anticipated by Gonzaga fans may not happen. He may end up being somebody who is eligible to play right away and that Gonzaga determines they don't want to use a red shirt on and he ends up playing some minutes, but I don't think he's expected to be, I wouldn't expect him to be a big contributor to this team next season. He is a developmental piece and there is a risk in acquiring developmental pieces in the modern college basketball because you do not know if they're going to stick around. But because of the circumstances surrounding Marcus Adams Jr., because transferring would require him to get a waiver from the NCAA, which he may or may not get, it is not as big of a risk to have Adams Jr. redshirt or play very little in this upcoming season. That is why I think this is such a valuable addition. Beyond that, the I mean, the actual skills on the basketball court are pretty dang valuable as well. He's 6'8", he plays like a guard, he had some monstrous performances in high school basketball. He didn't play against super elite competition, so a little bit harder to gauge what that all means for him, but a kid who the potential is sky high. 
Gonzaga doesn't land a lot of like hyper athletic six, 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 seven, six, eight wings. That's been a position that has been a little bit harder for them to recruit. Julian Strother was a counterexample there. Corey Kispert as well, although Kispert was not a super highly regarded recruit when he joined Gonzaga uh, out of the Edmonds area in Seattle. So I, I think for, for Gonzaga, this is a huge addition because it's them able to land a player that isn't an archetype they typically land. It's them able to land a player who is very valuable because of the rules surrounding transferring in college basketball. And it's them just showing that they're still active in the recruitment process. They lost Alex Tui, who suddenly decided to go to Australia. They wanted to replace that with somebody else who would maybe be a developmental piece through the system. And they were able to do so somewhat quickly, mind you. Very impressive stuff from Mark Few, from the coaching staff, Brian Michelson, Stephen Gentry, everybody else who was involved in bringing, uh, bringing Adams Jr. to Spokane. I think this is a huge, impactful, powerful addition for Gonzaga long-term, but I want to caution anybody who expects to see big stuff from him as a true freshman this upcoming season. I think it's more likely he doesn't play at all than it is that he is a big contributor for this team in year one. Well, Adams may be coming to Spokane, but Jose Perez is not. He decided to stay at West Virginia. What does that mean for Gonzaga? What does it mean for their continued pursuit of another guard to add to this roster? We'll tell you all about that after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to know the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners on YouTube. Appreciate you checking out the show if you want to become an everyday listener. Go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags, and hit that subscribe button. We got more conversation coming up this week about Marcus Adams Jr., more conversation about what Gonzaga might do with those final two roster spots. Continue to keep you updated on professional Zags as well all right here in Locked on Zags as we get into the end of July, the start of August, and closer and closer to the upcoming college basketball season. Well, Jose Perez was the big target for Gonzaga the last couple of weeks. Uh, The Zags have been very out and about on the guard market. They pursued Paul Mulcahy, who ultimately went to Washington out of Rutgers. They pursued Joe Toussaint, who began his career at West, or who was at West Virginia most recently, ended up transferring to Texas Tech instead of coming to Spokane. Uh, they've pursued a handful of other players. Jose Perez was kind of the most notable one, and expectations were that he was going to visit Gonzaga. He was going to check out the school. Michigan was involved. Oregon was involved. Georgia Tech was involved. There were some other programs there, but West Virginia continued to hold out hope that he would end up returning to Morgantown. And that is the situation for Jose Perez here. Perez, uh, an oft-traveled, well-traveled player so far through situations not entirely uh, his own fault, which is quite unfortunate. He began his career at Gardner-Webb, spent two years there, transferred to Marquette, didn't really find a lot of success with the Golden Eagles in one year there. I think he only played about 10 games. Transferred again, this time went to Manhattan, 
really successful at Manhattan, averaged about 19 points per game. His coach got fired right before the season started. He entered the transfer portal. He transferred to West Virginia. He was told he is not going to get a waiver and was unable to play last year for the Mountaineers. Not his fault. The NCAA usually grants waivers in situations where players leave coach leave a program because their coach got fired. It was surprising that the NCAA did not grant Perez a waiver in this situation. So he spent all of last year sitting out for West Virginia. Of course, the coach who recruited him, Bob Huggins, went through a whirlwind of off-season situations that finally resulted in him losing his job. He is still fighting that as we speak right now, but is unlikely to return to the sidelines for West Virginia. Perez was a handful of players from West Virginia who entered the transfer portal after Bob Huggins' departure. Kirk Creesa did end up returning to West Virginia. Many other players like Trey Mitchell went to Kentucky. Mo Wagee went to Alabama, to Saint, as we mentioned earlier, went to Texas Tech. But Perez decides to come back. He would have left West Virginia having not ever played a single game for them. So I guess it's nice that he gets a chance to actually show that program and that fan base what he's capable of doing. But it takes away a key potential addition for Gonzaga. I I mentioned on this show, eagle-eyed listeners, everyday listeners will definitely remember this. I compared Perez to Malachi Smith because I think that that's the type of player Gonzaga is looking for right now. They want to find a third guard who can come off the bench, who can play big minutes, who could start in a pinch if they needed him to, and who can kind of be in that closing rotation, the way that Malachi Smith, he didn't start very many games last year, but he finished a lot of games. Perez was that player, high-level scorer at a low-major program, guy who's, who's proven he's capable of doing it. The problem now is there's not very many other players that really fit that archetype. Right now, looking at the available players in the transfer portal, and that could change. Graduate transfers are eligible to enter the transfer portal at any time. So there could be more high-level additions in the transfer portal soon. It may not be over. But right now, the available players in the transfer portal, none of them are as good as Malachi Smith or Jose Perez. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's somebody out there that could fit that role as capably as them or even perhaps better than them. But looking at the names that are available right now, I don't see anybody who would fill that role as capably as those two guys would have, as Malachi Smith did, as Jose Perez would have. There's only one player that I know of that Gonzaga is pursuing in the transfer portal, that they have contacted, they have reached out to, they have expressed interest in, and that is Jeremiah Williams. Jeremiah Williams began his college career at Temple, played two years at Temple, transferred last year to Iowa State, did not play a single minute for the Cyclones because of an Achilles injury. So he had to miss all of last year, hit the transfer portal after the season, despite not playing at Iowa State, committed to Iowa, spent a few weeks there, decommitted from Iowa, and now remains available in the portal. Gonzaga is known to be one of the schools that has reached out and contacted him. He's a six foot five guard from Chicago, averaged nine and a half points, about four assists. 1.3 steals in his two combined seasons at Temple. Injuries have been a big part of his story. I think he only played 16 games as a freshman at Temple, played like 20, 22 games as a sophomore. So he's never played a full season, missed an entire year with an injury. Numbers at Temple were good. They were not elite. They were good. He is a capable player at the WCC level, a capable player at the Gonzaga level. Not necessarily a dramatic game changer. I don't think he would be as big of an addition as Perez would have been. I think he'd play, him and Stromer would play more of a similar role 
Uh, whereas with Perez or Smith, if he were still here, they kind of would play a bigger role. So I think Williams is a, a capable addition. If Gonzaga brings him in, I think it's still exciting and, and optimistic that he's going to provide what Gonzaga needs out of him. But it's not as not not quite to the same level. Unless other players enter the portal from this point forward, which again could happen, I think Gonzaga will have to settle for somebody not quite at the level that they were looking for, or they could go with the team that they currently have which is what we're going to talk about to close out the show. But there are a few other targets before we get there that I wanted to discuss really quickly. Uh, again, we're, if we're not talking about known targets, we're talking about guys that are in the portal that Gonzaga maybe has contacted, but that we have not heard any specifics about whether they've contacted or not. One of them is DeMar Langford. I spoke about DeMar Langford on a recent episode of the show. Uh, Langford from Boston College. He's currently being pursued most heavily by New Mexico State and Central Florida. Uh, Solid player, not elite, but he was a four-star player, expected to be a big-time contributor at Boston College. Never really reached the potential that people had hoped for him, but six-foot-five guard with good defensive instincts, I think he could find a role capably at Gonzaga were they to bring him in. Jalen Carey at Rhode Island has stood out to me as a potential option as well. Talked about him, I think, two or three times now on the podcast. Started his career at Syracuse. Ended up transferring to Rhode Island, averaged about nine and four at Rhode Island in the A-10. And then you have Noah Williams. Noah Williams began his career at Washington State, transferred to Washington last year. High-level score, doesn't do a ton else, but a six-foot-five guard, if you brought him off the bench to play a third-guard, fourth-guard role, uh, I think he would be more than capable of filling that spot should they need him to do so. But again, none of those guys, Gonzaga's pretty picky. Marfu's always been picky about who they add to the program. They're not going to add somebody just to add somebody. If they believe that somebody can come in and legitimately contend for that third guard role, can play 12 to 15 to 18 minutes per game, can keep Gonzaga afloat, can hit open shots, can play good defense, they'll go get them. If they don't think there's somebody out there that can fill that role, they're not just going to bring in whoever. That's not how they have operated in the past. It's not how I expect them to operate going forward. So there's a real chance that they don't fill this final spot that the roster that they have right now with Marcus Adams Jr. coming in is the final roster that Gonzaga has going into the 2023-2024 college basketball season. And if that's the case, what is that going to look like? How are the minutes going to be distributed? We're going to talk about all of that coming up right after this. All right, segment three, Stoney Patton still locked on Zags. We're closing out the show, taking a look at Gonzaga's current roster with Marcus Adams Jr., without Jose Perez. Yes, they may still make an addition, whether it's Jeremiah Williams, whether it's somebody who's not currently in the transfer portal, whether it is somebody who is in the portal that we do not know if Gonzaga has contacted yet, but perhaps they have, perhaps they'll make a move on somebody else. But right now, I want to take a look at what this Gonzaga roster is going to look like if this is truly it as we get into the 2023-24 season. Because I see six players who are locked in to a rotation spot next year. Unquestionably, no debate, barring a significant injury, these six players will be in Gonzaga's rotation next season. Ryan Nembhard, Nolan Hickman, Steele Venters, Anton Watson, Graham E.K., Ben Gregg. That is six guys who are going to play significant minutes for the Gonzaga Bulldogs next season. Then I have two other players who I think are most likely going to be in the rotation next season, especially if we assume no other additions happen. And that would be the incoming freshman, Dusty Stromer, as well as 
I guess incoming sophomore is the way he's going to be labeled, uh, Jun Sakyo. Those two guys rounding out an eight-man rotation right there feels pretty solid. That feels good to me. If that's your eight-man rotation, again, there's questions about what how capable Yo is of contributing right away. That's a huge question mark going into the season for Gonzaga. Stromer, I suppose there are some questions there as well, but I think it's a little bit more confident that he's going to at least be able to contribute in a sixth man type role right away should Gonzaga need him to do so and then there's, of course there's other players who could be that ninth tenth guy the, the the role that Gonzaga has never really utilized all that much if you're the ninth player in Gonzaga's rotation you tend to not be playing consistent minutes throughout the season the players competing for those spots Caden Perry Braden Huff Marcus Adams Jr. so if we assume that that's our eight slash nine ish man rotation heading into next season. What does that mean? The lineup and the rotations could potentially look like. I'm going to give you my best guess. This is my get my best guess on Sunday, July 23rd, 2023, 16 weeks until the college basketball season officially commences before Gonzaga's roster is potentially done. It may be done. It may not be done. There's still a lot to be determined between now and then. But I'm going to give you my best prediction as to what I think the minutes shakedown is going to look like for Gonzaga next season based on this roster. 40 minutes per game, five players on the team. We need to get to 200 minutes. Did the math. We're at 200 minutes. Here's how I expect it to shake down. Ryan Nempard leads the team in minutes per game at 34. That is basically exactly how many minutes he played in his first two seasons at Creighton, of course, when he was healthy. So that's where I'm going to predict Nembhard lands. I'm going to give you a total number of minutes for each player, and then I'm going to break each position down as well to kind of talk about how I think that might look position by position. So Ryan Nembhard, 34 minutes per game. Anton Watson at 31 minutes per game. He played about 28 minutes per game last year. So this is a slight bump, but I think he's going to be an invaluable piece of Gonzaga's team on offense and on defense. And I think Drew Timmy's departure opens up a bump in minutes per game for each of the uh, post players, because I don't think Graham E.K. is going to play as many minutes as Drew Timmy. Uh, so Watson's at 31, Nemhard's at 34, Hickman comes in next at 28. That is exactly the same as how many minutes he played last year. I know there are people out there who don't think Nolan Hickman deserves to play 28 minutes per game. And I think a potential addition of somebody like Jeremiah Williams or Noah Williams or anybody else they may add in the portal would likely cut in to those minutes for Nolan Hickman. But right now, as the roster is currently constructed, I don't see any reason why Nolan Hickman would not play the same amount of minutes as he did last year on this team this year. Nembhard 34, Watson 31, Hickman 28, Steel Venters comes in next at 27 minutes per game. few less than Julian Strothrew played a little over 31, but I think that there's going to be a little bit more spread outness on the roster this year in terms of minutes, and I think Venters is going to play a very valuable, capable role, but not quite as much as Strother did. Next up is Graham E.K. rounding out the starting lineup. Uh, projections for me. EK comes in at 25 minutes per game. He was a tough one to predict. He played more minutes at Wyoming, but he's coming off of a year-long absence. Gonzaga has a lot of depth in the front court, and I just don't see them pushing Graham EK to play 30-plus minutes per game next year when they don't need to do so. So that rounds out the starting lineup. Nemhart at 34, Watson at 31, Hickman at 28, Venters at 27, EK at 25, that's 145 of the 200 minutes. That's pretty on brand with 
how many minutes you expect your starting lineup to soak up every single game. It's pretty on brand with where Gonzaga has been historically. So I think that we feel pretty good about that being the group. And then coming off the bench, uh, the, the leader in minutes per per game coming off the bench next year, I predict predict will be Ben Gregg. I have Ben Gregg at 18 minutes per game. That is up significantly from the 12 minutes per game he played last year. He has completely unequivocally without a doubt earned a bump in playing time after a tremendous performance last season in conference play and even in non-conference play before they got into the regular season. Uh, Ben's going to be a big part of what this team does next year. And I'm putting him at 18 minutes and then right tied with him uh, in the seventh man role is June sock yo at 18 minutes per game. Yo is far and away the most difficult player to project on this list. I think yo could be as few as five minutes per game. I think he could be as high as 28 minutes per game. I genuinely believe it could be anywhere in that range because we just don't really know. Junsak Yo could emerge as a all-American caliber player for Gonzaga. I think that that's probably unlikely because it's very hard to be an all-American caliber player in your first full year of college basketball. But this is a, he's 21. He's dominated at FIBA tournaments in the past. Like this is a unique incoming player. But I also think that adjusting to a language barrier, adjusting to college basketball, like there's there are things that could prevent him from being a big time contributor in year one. If Yo is capable of giving this team 18 minutes per game, coming off the bench in a sixth, seventh man role, that really puts Gonzaga in a position where they don't necessarily need to add that final guard. That's not a huge critical need. Now, if Gonzaga knew for a fact that he was capable of giving them that, they probably wouldn't be pursuing the Jose Perez's of the world. So I'm not sure how they feel right now, but it is something to monitor and keep an eye on when we're thinking about roster construction for the Zags is if they're setting up a situation where Yo's going to have to play a lot next year, that's probably because they think he's capable of doing it. If they keep adding players in front of him, maybe that tells you that he's not quite ready to go. So, Got your starting five, Ben Gregg at 18 minutes per game, Jun Sakio at 18 minutes per game. Rounding out the eight-man rotation is Dusty Stromer. I have him at 13 minutes per game. Hard to say right now. Again, I think if Gonzaga is continuing to try to add players like Williams and they wanted Perez and they wanted Toussaint and, and Mulcahy and everybody else, I, I think that's a sign that they maybe weren't ready for Dusty Stromer to play big minutes. And they don't usually put freshmen in positions to play big minutes. The counterexamples are elite top-tier freshmen like Chet Holmgren, like Jalen Suggs, like Zach Collins. Some international freshmen have come in and played big roles right away. But for the most part, American freshmen coming to Gonzaga from a United States high school tend to not play very much unless they were five-star guys. There are some counterexamples. Corey Kispert played a lot as a freshman, and he wasn't necessarily expected to. But Julian Strother didn't. Dominic Harris didn't. Hunter Salas didn't, even though he was a five-star I think the expectations that Dusty Strober is going to come in and play a big role, I, I just don't see it. That's not how Gonzaga has historically operated. Right now, he's in a position where he's probably going to need to play more than maybe Gonzaga would have expected, which is why they are looking at those types of players, the Jose Perez's, Jeremiah Williams. And if they don't find somebody there, I could see Yo being more of the primary beneficiary than Stromer. Could be wrong, but I could see that. And it would shift the, the dynamics of, of where everybody plays a little bit. And we'll talk about that momentarily. So that's my eight-man rotation. That added up to 194 out of 200 minutes. That left six minutes to go. I split them evenly between Caden Perry and Braden Huff, three each. 
I don't think that's actually what will happen. I think one of those guys will kind of move into that fourth big role and will kind of soak up those minutes similar to Efton Reed last year. Uh, Marcus Adams Jr. could mix into that conversation as well. This was operating under the assumption that he is not going to play next year, either because he is redshirting uh, via the NCAA's waivers or rules, or he's redshirting because Gonzaga opted to redshirt him. Uh, that could be a, a factor that would change this conversation as well. So going by position, taking a look at what that might shake out like for Gonzaga. Point guard, Ryan Nembhard, all 34 of his minutes come at the point guard position. Nolan Hickman, six of his minutes come at the point guard position as well. Basically, whenever Nembhard's not on the floor, Nolan Hickman is the point guard. Shooting guard, Nolan Hickman, the rest of his minutes, 22, come at the shooting guard position. I have Dusty Stromer playing all 13 of his minutes as an off-ball player. I think he, again, if he's on the floor with either Nembhard or Hickman, those two guys are running the point. Steel Venters plays five of his minutes at the shooting guard position. Small forward is split evenly between, or not quite evenly, between Venters and Yo. Venters plays 22 minutes at the three and again five minutes at the two while yo plays 18 minutes at the small forward to round out that position power forward anton watson all 31 of his minutes come at the power forward position ben Gregg plays six minutes at power forward braden huff plays three minutes at power forward center ek plays all 25 of his minutes at the center position ben Gregg plays 12 of his 18 minutes as the backup center caden perry rounds that out with three minutes there this is, of course, just a rough projection. It's not like Mark Few is going to follow any kind of specifics on this. This is just, if you average out throughout the season, this is kind of how I project the current roster for the minutes to break down at each position. Again, a new player coming in in Jeremiah Williams or Noah Williams or whomever else they add there would probably cut into Hickman's minutes. It would probably cut into Dusty's minutes. And depending on how confident they feel in June Sock, yo, it would cut into his minutes as well. And Marcus Adams Jr. playing right away would certainly be a factor as well. He could soak up all the minutes that would go to Perry and Huff, play six minutes in that regard. If they wanted to play him even more than that, that could cut into yo's minutes, potentially into Steel Venters' minutes as well. We'll do this again. This is fun. I enjoy kind of taking a look at this and really breaking down how I think the actual playing time might look next year, because right now a lot of people are very excited about certain players and less optimistic about other players. And I think it's important to kind of look at, well, how many minutes is everybody actually going to get? Because until we know that, it's hard to know how how much to expect from certain players. So again, we'll do this as we get closer to the season, maybe in September, maybe in October, as we have a better sense of what the roster is going to look like, but kind of a fun exercise to take a look at right now. All right, folks, that's going to wrap me up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Reminder, you can find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter. The Twitter account is right there on the YouTube page. You can find us on Discord. A link to the Discord channel is available uh, right below the video here. So go click on that link. Join us on Discord. It's fantastic. Been having a lot of fun over there. Of course, you can find the show on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts as well. Thank you all for listening. More fantastic stuff coming your way later this week. But for now, go Zags.